I got a word for y'all today. You know, I always say that, but hopefully they're going to start the clock over for me. But uh, hey, I got a word for y'all today, man. We're going to be encouraged. We're going to be encouraged. If you see me limping, man, because I've been working out, you know, listen, I've been working out. I'm going to tell you, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm going to work out, y'all going to know about it. You ain't going to have me huffing and puffing. The Lord told me this is the one area I ain't got to be humble. He, he told me. He released me from humility from working out. And let me tell you what else he said. He told me when I get my six-pack, he told me I could preach without a shirt. He told me. He said it. I was like, Lord, that sounds kind of weird. He said, but you're putting the work in, and I don't care what people think. You're my son. I want to see your abs. I, it was just... It's my time of prayer. I journaled it. We'll see what God does. I journaled it. We'll see what God does. And, you know, I don't have any dates, so don't worry about it. Uh, he, you know, he also told me that, um, you know, when I get my muscles where I need to be, he gave me permission to just when I'm walking around the street to slap the buffest guy I see and see what he does. He told me I could do that just to kind of test where I'm at. I'm just like, I'm just saying this. This is what God says to me, you know, if you believe that. <laughs> you got to know I'm kidding. Okay, I'm going to preach a message. I'm not even going to give you the title yet. Yes, I am. I'm going to preach a message to you called Manna and Menus. I love that title. Manna and Menus. We're going to read a couple different options. We're going to read a couple different passages here. Exodus 15, verse 27. I'm going to read all of Exodus 16, verses 1 through 32. We're going to read some Bible today, y'all. We're going to read some Bible. Come on, wake up. We're going to read some Bible today, y'all. <laughs> he said, oh, hey. You know, when pastor says wake up, you just go, oh, hey. We read all of Exodus 16, verses 1 through 32, because Exodus 16, verses 1 through 32, tells the story, obviously, hence the title, of how God released manna into the wilderness to provide for his people. But I have to read to you the closing sentence of Exodus 15, 27. It, it, it takes place where they were before. It says, after leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elim, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped there beside the water. Before I read Exodus 16, you got to know, I feel like I have a prophetic word for you that literally at the end of Exodus 15, verse 27, they were at the oasis. And it was nice. It was amazing. And then we pick up at Exodus 16, and I'm going to read to you verse 1. Then the whole community of Israel set out from the oasis of Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of sin. Now, Bible scholars would just, I have to remind you, that has nothing to do with like the sin, like we all sin, we all fall short. Of, it's just an odd name of a city. It has nothing to do with it. Oh, yo, they just went straight into sin? No, they didn't. It's a city. It's not. Got it. It says they, they journeyed into the wilderness. The whole community left Oasis. Like April, whatever it was, the whole community left what we would call Oasis. And I feel like we stepped into what these people have stepped into. It says they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month. They left Oasis in what the Hebrew calendar says was March to April. 
And then one month after leave, this was one month after leaving that, the land of Egypt, there too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. I got to stop here for a second, because if you read all of Exodus 15, do it when you get some time. They literally wrote a worship song in Exodus 15 about all that God had done. They wrote a worship song. They had songs of praise in this chapter and a song of complaint in this chapter. Think about that. One chapter apart. So right around January and February, ooh, I'm preaching already. They were writing worship songs. The Lord is good. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. I just made that up on a spot. Anybody got a voice recorder? The Lord is good. Is good. Is good. He's good. He's good. Ooh, I feel that. It's terrible. I know. But um, they had a song of praise in chapter 15, a song of complaint in chapter 16. How quickly we can change the songs. Soon as God doesn't do what we want him to do, the song begins to change and praise goes to complaints. And verse three says, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, how do you go from writing a worship song to wanting to die? Says they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. Not that season, that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food. And when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, by evening, you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard you complain. How, how good is our God? Not I heard your prayers. Not I heard your worship. If you read Exodus 15, I mean, this worship song has way too many verses. It is like six verses, two bridges, three different choruses. None of it rhymes. And God did not respond to the worship song they wrote. It says, I'm going to show you how good I am because of how much you are complaining. The Bible says the kindness of God leads us to repentance. So we need to understand that sometimes at our worst moment when we're complaining the most, our God is so gracious. He is so good. He says, you're complaining tonight, so I'm going to show you my glory in the morning. Woo, I love it. That is so good. Our God is so awesome. Come on. He's saying you can complain on a Tuesday and I will reveal my glory on a Wednesday. So then when you see the glory hit your family in the morning, when you get the surprise check in the mail, you will repent for what you complained about on Tuesday because of the glory that was revealed on Wednesday. You just need to put your hands together and praise how good God is. He says, you complaining, I'm going to show you the glory. So he says, I'm going I'm to show you the glory of the Lord. In the morning, you'll see the glory because he has heard your complaints, which are against him, not us, Moses said. What have we done that you should complain about us? Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning, for he has heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not us. 
Then Moses said to Aaron, announce to this entire community of Israel, present yourself before the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out into the wilderness and there they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. Then the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the Israelites complaints. Now tell them in the evening you will have meat to eat in the morning. You will have all the bread that you want. It's so weird, though, when God's talking about glory. And then I feel like in the next breath, he's like kind of talking about a Lunchable. <laughs> like when we say the glory is going to hit my life, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not talking about meat and bread. I'm talking about crazy stuff. It's kind of confusing. They're not responding because he says, wait a minute. You said we're going to see the glory in the morning. Meat and bread. Uh, wait a minute. Didn't we complain in Egypt? That the reason why we don't like it here is because not we had a lot of meat and bread. It just said back in Egypt, we had pots of meat. And now the Lord, your glory is giving us meat and bread. What our enemy gave us. Now you want to get. I'm confused. If you're going to reveal your glory, aren't you going to give me more? No, no, no. The glory of God is revealed in the source that the blessing came from, not the blessing itself. So he's saying, I'm going to give you the same thing, but it's going to be from me. It's going to be from me. A gift from the Lord is automatic glory. This scripture is so amazing. He says, that evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance, its finest frost, blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it, and they said, what is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. Manna is literally translated, what is it? It means, what is this? Like, I think we give people in the Bible a really hard time. They just didn't follow the Lord. They just, no, this is tough. Remember Legacy Nights? 2020, fire. All those prophecies. I was watching. I watched some of those old messages. I watched Sam Rodriguez's message when he was talking about the glory of the Lord was on this church and the glory of the Lord is going to do this. And by March, I was like, what is this? This whole season feels like manna. Like, I mean, I'm trying not to complain, but I got some questions. What is this? And, and you got to be careful. You got to be careful. Because in a season where you're confused about the manna, it'll make you want a menu. You know, we go to restaurants all the time and, you know, nobody orders for me when I go to the restaurant. And typically the finest restaurants, fine dining, like Cheesecake Factory, you know, <laughs> I grew up in San Bernardino. So I was like, Ruby Tuesdays. But the nicest restaurants have the least amount of choices. And I think if we're not careful, we think real freedom is choice. Real freedom is not doing or having options. Real freedom is thriving in God-given restrictions. 
And so the restrictions was the manna, and we're going to find that they got tired of what God was doing, so they didn't want the manna, they now wanted a menu. You're given the same thing the enemy gives, just with some glory? We don't value the glory of the Lord. Ah, man, this is just, it's just quail? No, 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 no. We don't need a menu. Interesting enough, you know, when we order, right, we, we go out to eat and how many, you know how many times, man, I grew up with an auntie, she would send the food back if it was a little different than what she ordered. Like I said, I want the onions, half the onions to be grilled. Send it back. Like, auntie, man, they just grilled three-fourths of the onions. You asked me, send it back. I'm paying for it. Send it back. She's, you, 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 when you order from a menu, you, you, you expect to get what you want. Like I go to El Pueblo Loco all the time, man. And I say, I want a three-piece, a breast, a thigh, and a wing, rice and beans, jalapeno hot sauce. And so many times I drive that bag home and it, don't, it doesn't have jalapeno hot sauce. And my first thought is who needs to die? <laughs> Not who needs to lose their job. Who needs to die? I place the order and I expect to get what I ordered. I expect to get what I, what I ordered. And, and if we're not careful, when we, we act like God is that way too. And our prayers are like placing an order. And if you really are out of the, it, you, it's drive through. You don't even get out of the car for the Lord. You, you don't even, you got an old car. Come on, some of y'all prayer life is like that old Civic I had, 83 Civic. You just leaning over, rolling down the window. Hey, Jesus, I want some blessing, um, finances, hold the tithes. <laughs> Let me get a, let me get the obedience, but off the dollar menu. I want the obedience from the dollar menu. I don't want to, I don't want it to cost me anything. Okay. And then, and then in the next season, we like, I pray, God, where are you? I placed my order. No, no, no. God says, you don't, this is not a menu. And if we're not careful, we treat the word of God like a menu. God is doing so much supernatural right now in this season. You may not have a lot of choice. You may not have a lot of options. But I felt like the spirit of God wanted me to tell you, you would rather have manna from heaven than a menu from the devil. Because I feel like the devil shoves menus in our faces when God is only giving us manna. He's like, I got options. I got choices. You, you can do this. And so they're, they're complaining and they're, they're, they're mad. And the Bible says God tells them that they need to make sure that they don't, they, they take a Sabbath. They don't collect manna every day. And they're complaining about it. And it gets crazy because they're like, manna. In Egypt, we had a menu. And you're supposed to be God and I got one choice. Back to the fancy restaurant, I would consider myself a novice connoisseur in fine steak eating. And the best type of meat that you can buy is called prime. Anybody want a prime blessing? The second best is called select. It's like being chosen. You know what the worst meat you can buy is called? Choice. Choice. 
Ain't that, ooh, that is preaching right now. Some of y'all are skipping out on a prime blessing from heaven because you just like to have choices. I'm not even going to commit to God because I like to leave my options open. See, when you follow Jesus, Sam Rodriguez said that Elisha burned the plow. When Peter caught a bunch of fish that God had blessed him with, the Bible says Peter walked away from the abundance of fish to follow Jesus. He said, I'm going to make sure that I have no other choice. Matter of fact, I'm telling you right now, if you would just receive manna from heaven, the manna of peace, the manna of hope, and you would say, I'm not going back to my old life. It doesn't matter if the enemy sends a coronavirus. I am following Jesus. So when it goes left, I don't have a plan B. I don't have anywhere to go back to because I'm following Jesus. Jesus. Matter of fact, a bunch of disciples who kept their options open left Jesus and Jesus turned to Peter and said, are you leaving too? And Peter said, where would we go? He didn't say, I'm not leaving you. You're amazing. That's not the first thing he said. He said, I ain't got nowhere to go. (laughs) I don't have a plan B. I burned the plow. I left my family. I dropped my net. My net's at the bottom of the ocean. It's not like I can go back to the boat. And then he said, for your very words have eternal life. But first he said, I don't have anywhere to go. And I think that if we're going to choose the manna over the menu, we have to look back at our past and say, there's no place to go back to. I've reached the point of no return. Because in the gap of your revelation, your lack of revelation and your obedience is that you've gotten rid of Anywhere you could go back to. Because Egypt was still there. Egypt was still there. So they could say, I, I'm going to go back to the menu because it, it's, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's times I wanted to go back. There's nothing to go back to. Everything's gone. These guys are in, in, in Exodus chapter 16, verse 3. They say, man, I wish the Lord would have killed us back in Egypt. Man, it was awesome, man. We had a menu. They're living theologically, by the way, Egypt represents sin. And most Bible scholars agree that the Pharaoh is a type of devil. Like what I mean is that like the story can give you, the story of Moses can give you revelation about Jesus. The story of Egypt can give you revelation about sin. The story of of, um, you know, Pharaoh can give you kind of some revelation on how the devil operates. He, he wants to enslave. So you can get a lot of revelation about what not to do. But even today, some of the stuff that the Egyptians built is a tourist destination. And it's amazing. I get it. But God is like, I need you to understand something. I need you to understand something. I'm trying to defeat your enemies, the devil, the kingdom of darkness, not just because it's bad, but because they'll tempt you to come back because they'll give you a menu. And I have manna, the bread of heaven. And they're complaining about this and like, man, I wish the Lord would have killed us back in Egypt in verse 16, verse three. There we had a menu, pots filled with meat, ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve to death. Numbers 11 verse 5 gives an account. 
we remember the fish we used to eat for free. You, you're with the glory of God, and you are missing a fish fry? That's some cold catfish. I mean, probably wasn't catfish, but that's fish we used to eat. The glory of God. They're like, I remember we used to eat fish for free in Egypt. It was free? Y'all were slaves for 400 years. And it was free? It costs you generations to eat fish. I'm telling you right now, there is somebody out there that if you're not careful, you are going to give up generations of freedom in your family for fish. For fish. For fish. And it's interesting the disciples had to leave fish to follow Jesus. And now, so we used to have fish for free. And then the list goes on. And we, we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks. It's embarrassing. Onions and garlic, we wanted. We just had leeks, cucumbers, melons, man. We had garlic, man. It was fire. Dang, man. You know, we give Jacob a hard time. We give Jacob a hard time. Jacob the deceiver, Jacob and the liar. But why does the Bible say in Hebrews that God loved Jacob but disliked how his brother Esau rolled? You know what it says? Because Jacob, although he was a deceiver, God had an issue with Esau, it says in Hebrews. Catch this. Because Esau gave up his inheritance over a bowl of stew. Food that God wants to provide. I know it feels like God's not providing right now, but I got to preach the word of the Lord. If you open up that menu, you are about to give up your inheritance. Because God wants to give you supernatural manna. We remember the fish we used to eat for free. It wasn't free. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. I want you to write this down. Sometimes for a follower of Jesus, a severe trial will make you want to give up manna in a place of freedom for a menu in a place of bondage. I'm, I'm, I'm in bondage, but I got a menu. I got options. Then it goes Exodus 16, verses 4 through 5. Look at this. God is like trying to bust them. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Remember when Sam Rodriguez preached, the rain is coming. I watched the message. I, I, was, doing a, I was doing a lap in my bedroom. The rain is coming. If you've been through the fire and you've been through, what was the other thing? The drought. The rain is coming. I was doing a dun 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 I was went in. <laughs> yeah, come on, Marvin. You... Listen, and then I was like, this don't feel like rain. This doesn't feel like rain. What was he talking about? Oh, wait a minute. The Lord said he was going to rain down food from heaven. I was comparing how rain comes from a cloud. Just, you're just drenched. Drenched. When it's raining outside, because Sam Rodriguez did not say that Lord sent in the drizzle. He said he was sending the rain. I don't need an umbrella to keep the blessings from busting me all up in my lips. 
This don't feel like rain. Oh, I think rain that Sam Rodriguez was talking about, the rain that's been prophesied over our church, I think we compared it to the rain from a cloud when rain from heaven looks different. Rain from a cloud, we know what it is. Rain from heaven, we're like, what is it? What is that? Think about this. The Bible says that the, the dew would hit the ground, and when the dew evaporated, what remained from the water, it was dew. God sent the dew to cultivate the manna. And I'm like, I, that doesn't feel like rain. It's going to rain down food from heaven. And each day, the people are going to go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. Some of us are watching the news, seeing they're going to up our, our unemployment, and God is saying, but do you have enough for the day? today? I'm going to test them to see if they can trust me for today. Because the enemy will try to give you a false prophecy about tomorrow because you don't trust God today. And he'll make you follow and stray and chase a menu. And this is why the spirit told me to tell you there's manna and there's menus. And he goes, watch this, on the sixth day, they will gather food, and when they prepare it, they'll be twice as much as usual. Maybe we start prophesying double. I, I mean, double. I, mean, I think I made people shout double. <laughs> and in January, so I was like, shout double. People went, double, shout double, double. You know what this double feels like? What is it? It doesn't feel like double. You close the church down. You closing businesses down. This doesn't feel like double. This doesn't feel like rain. Oh, I was thinking the rain from the clouds. I was thinking two times two is four, double. Like, oh, I was thinking the rain from the clouds. Oh, God, you were bringing the rain from heaven. That's different than the rain from the clouds. And oh, the double isn't just I, I strive and keep doing it. And now there's more. You'll give me double on the seventh day. Because I rested. Oh, so you are bringing double, which is why you sat everybody down. And people who keep trying to get back up. Ooh, ooh, man, the temptation. I'm tempted. I got a key to the building. I almost opened it up. But no, no, I got to. We got to rest in the Lord because it is in the rest that the double prophecy comes to pass. Most believers don't have a double portion because they won't rest. It's the only reason. God can't get you to sit down. It's like the double comes when I start working for the double when you stop working, when you rest. And it's really a Sabbath day prepares us for a Sabbath heart where we do everything from a position of rest he's trying to teach them and so he says you can exodus 16 verse 26 through 27 god tells him you may gather the food for six days but the seventh day is the sabbath there will be no food on the ground that day and some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day but they found no food. Can I give you a word that I want? I know God told me to tell you. There, this is a seventh day season from July 
to October is a seventh day season. I know it's longer than a day, but God needs you to trust him. Don't go out there searching for menus. God will provide. It's going to feel like he's not, but he's going to, all of this rent's going to come from here. Food's going to come over here. Let God provide you with manna or going into 2021, you're going to be really disappointed because the manna came from heaven and they searched the earth on a day when God wasn't doing that. And I want you to write this down. Some of our disappointment comes from searching the earth for what heaven hasn't released yet. Oh, man. Wow. He, he, he hasn't released it yet. He's not saying no. It's just not released. Right? What the God's going to give you as you pray, he's going to give you a release date, like an album. You can check Spotify all you want to. It's not there. And I feel like we stress ourselves up because it's a culture now to do surprise releases like Taylor Swift. I didn't even know. She didn't even announce that. Just what's album? You just put it out. So we just check. We just check our, every day. God, you going to put out my blessing today? No, no, no. You got to wait. Don't search the earth for what heaven hasn't released yet. It's timing. It is timing. It is timing. And then verse 27 says, some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day and they found no food. And the Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day. Wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. You're trying to tell me if I rest for one day, you are going to give me two days blessing? What happens if I rest for five months? Listen, man, I'm about to snatch that palm tree out of that pot. Do you hear the word of the Lord? However long you are willing to rest, and I'm not talking lazy. I'm talking rest, where you have a posture of rest. You trust the Lord. You believe God. You don't search for the menu. God, if you want to just give me enough for today, that's cool. The Bible says, blessed are those. I was about to misquote a scripture. The Bible says something about waiting on the Lord. I got hype. Come on, man. Rest. He said he'd give them double for one day. Can you imagine? 2020 is the year of double. What if God asked you to walk in a position of rest for one year? He would give you two years. Man, come on. Come on, somebody. We always say the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And many times it's easy for the enemy to steal from people who won't stop. Oh, you're easy to steal from. You're exhausted from working. I can just take it from me. Your prayer life is this much. Your work life is this much. You, this is easy. He said, I'm going to give you double. Whatever amount of time you rest, I'm going to give you double that. What you could have made in that day, I'll give you two of them. If you just be with me and you trust me. And I feel like I've been wrestling with this whole thing. And I love coming to church and I love that. And I believe we'll gather again. But Exodus 16, 32. And this is the close of the verse. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. 
fill a two-quart container with manna to preserve it for your descendants. Then later generations will be able to see the food I gave you in the wilderness when I set you free from Egypt. Wait a minute. What made me go, what is it? That's what you want my kids to see? The season that feels like, what is it? That's what you want our children to see? Not the lights, the cameras, and the YouTube followers, and the views, and the guests. You want, not the money, not the cars. You want, us, you want us to remind our children of the year of 2020 when all we felt like we had was manna? Wait a minute. That's crazy to me. And I feel like we get mad at the world, at the choices that people make. You know, we rail against the world and, you know, the world, you know, be careful in the world. You know, people just don't want to follow God, you know, and they're just making terrible choices in the world. Be careful in the world. Well, no wonder the world chases a menu because they went to the church and there's no manna. So, of course, they're going to go look for a menu until they, they come to the church and there's the bread of heaven in the church. And you know what Jesus said to his disciples? I'm the bread of heaven. It's me. So let me just rewind back to my earlier point. The reason why I'm confused when Sam Rodriguez said it would rain is because I compared it to a cloud, right? But it's not a cloud. It's from heaven. And what comes from heaven? The bread of heaven. So who is Jesus? Jesus is walking and talking manna. So when Jesus shows up, he tells you, you can put away the menu. Because I will take care of all of your needs. The prophecy was not physical blessing. It wasn't a big church. He was just preaching a powerful ways to say Oasis Church. Guess who's coming from heaven in every area of your life? Jesus. That's it. That's it. It wasn't a promotion. I hope you get one. It wasn't a new house. I want you to get one. It wasn't, that wasn't the prophecy. The prophecy was that Jesus was going to come, descend from heaven. And when the disciples said, can you teach us how to pray? Jesus said, pray this way. Pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a release from heaven coming to Oasis Church. And you got to be careful because it might make you look at the ground and just go, what is it? But what it is, God is saying, we're going to have to tell our kids about this one. We're going to tell our grandchildren about all that God did in this season. Can I pray for you? I feel like somebody is like the menu the menu and um, 
we talked about menus have choices. And, um, you know, there's somebody out there right now who might be watching this. Matter of fact, there's somebody watching this. And make sure you email info at oasisla.org because there's somebody watching this and you think you might be pregnant. And you think you might be pregnant. And you're terrified. Whoever the father would be, it's a bit unstable. And, um, and uh, the world that we live in offers menus for scared pregnant girls. They offer menus. They say, you know, you can keep the baby. You cannot keep the baby. And I'm not here to, I know what I believe. I'm not here to judge you or criticize you if you believe in menus. I'm here to just prophesy over you that manna is better than menus. That's it. And so I'm talking to this pregnant girl. I'm not talking to politicians and people. I'm not talking to the left. I'm not talking to the right. I'm talking to this girl. And because I'm talking to this girl, I don't care what the, the, the left or the right has to say about it because I'm talking to this girl. God has given Oasis Church manna. And if you find out you're pregnant and you need some help, hit us up. Info at oasisla.org because when you can't find manna, it forces you towards menus. And so the church has got to be manna for the people who are considering what's on the world's menu. And I feel like God, if you reach out and you email info at oasisla.org, I feel like God is going to provide the, 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 the spiritual family for you. If you're not plugged in and connected, God's, uh, I mean, you're not plugged in and connected because you would never have to email info at oasisla if you were. We're going to, I feel like God's going to give you the family to help you with this child. God's going to give you the provision through the church. We're not going to let you be homeless. We're not going to let you, if your family kicks you out, we got you. We're going to figure it out. And, and I really feel that I'm not saying that because I'm confident of what we have. I'm just confident of the rain that was prophesied over us. The bread of heaven. Jesus, he's going to do it. And so I'm going to pray for all of us. I'm going to pray specific for this young girl. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus. Right now, this, this young girl, her heart is beating. She knows that Jesus, you're talking to her. And I pray that right now, that even as I'm speaking in, in, the, in the, the, the service, that the email is being sent out. She said, that, that, just send an email. That girl is me. Reach out to me. And God, I, I know that you're going to provide that we can help this young person. I don't know. I almost said young boy. I get this thought sometimes. I'm just going to be real. I get this thought sometimes that we, we, we talk about racial injustice. That's why we got to help the kids. We got to show our city we're there. People are getting pregnant in terrible conditions and terrible circumstances, no money, no hope. We got to help the kids. Because I always think, man, every solution, the, not every, but the biggest solution in the Old Testament to a 400-year problem was the birth of a baby. And 400 years of silence from Malachi to Matthew the, was the birth of a baby. Moses was born. Jesus was born. And so what I think sometimes is that the solution to the racial injustice 
is in the belly of a young girl, scared and afraid with no help. I always think about what Martin Luther King's mom did with her life. Anybody know her name? You know her name? Come on, man. Come on, brother. You don't know mine? Anybody? Come on, camera people. Anybody know Martin Luther King's mom's name? Nobody in this room. Greatest civil rights leader of all time, and nobody in this room knows the name of his mother. You know her son. Sometimes we don't know the names of people who give birth to solutions. That's why we got to stop making this about us. We got to stop making it about the menu and everything we want. We got to be a church that has manna for the next generation, that has manna for the hopeless, that has manna for the people without peace, that has manna for the people who have no hope, that has manna for the people who are afraid. We got to be the church with the manna. And if we're going to be the church, we're going to be the church with the manna. We got to be the church without a menu. I'm not, when you come back, there ain't no menu. That's all we got is the bread of heaven, Jesus. And there's not going to be a menu. There's just going to be Jesus because Jesus saves. Jesus forgives those who have sinned. Jesus sets free. Jesus is our hope. I know we've heard the church is the hope of the world, but that's only if Jesus is running that church. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus saves. Jesus loves. Jesus heals. Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. Just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're like in and out. They just got burgers. All we got is Jesus. There's just one thing on the menu. It is the bread of heaven. Jesus Christ. I feel the spirit of the Lord. Y'all gonna have to worship because I'm gonna keep going. I can't just sing, just sing Jesus, just sing Jesus. Jesus. Yeah.